Welcome to the podcast of Life Church in Houston, Texas. We are so glad that you are joining us today. We hope that this message inspires your week, builds your faith, and ultimately brings you closer to Christ. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the podcast. This is, this is really my favorite time of year. I would say because of the weather, but my goodness, it is humid outside. Why? It's almost December. It's like 80 degrees. It's not fair. It's not fair. I love Houston so much. There's nowhere in the world I would rather live, but my wife and I just took our anniversary trip to Colorado. It's, I won't say anymore because I'll just get sad about it. Anyway, the holiday season is my favorite time of year, usually because the weather starts cooling off and all the food and family and all this stuff. I, I, I love the holiday season, especially Thanksgiving, because it's a time for, for reflection. I remember growing up, my grandfather was such a unique man. Loved my grandfather, Papa K, so much. I remember so often when we were together as a family, didn't have to be for a special occasion. We would, we would very often on Sundays all get together, all the aunts and uncles and cousins, we'd all get together to eat Sunday dinner, and we'd be sitting around and he would make every grandkid, me and all my cousins, he'd make us get up, stand in front of the family. He'd say, I want you to tell us your testimony. Five years old, I, I, you know, you try to piece together something that you think sounds good, but I, he would always tell me your testimony. He'd give everybody the opportunity. And so often he would also tell us, I want you to tell me something that you're thankful for. Tell me something that you're, that you're thankful for. And I know this time of year that we're about to go into, this holiday coming up, that's going to be something that many of us are, are having conversations about, things that we are thankful for. And this is what I, I've learned in my, my 32 years of, of life, is that sometimes I have a lot to be thankful for. Sometimes I have a lot to be thankful for. I have my health. I have a beautiful wife who was on the front row, but we have a baby here with us this morning, so I'm sure she's dealing with that. I have two beautiful kids, two beautiful daughters that are healthy and that are strong. I have a lot to be thankful for. But then I know that that hasn't always been the case because there's been other times where I've wondered how could things possibly get worse. So I know life comes in seasons like that. Situations come about that sometimes are just out of our control and, and it leaves us wondering why has life turned out this way for me? And I know that maybe the holiday season is not a happy time for many of you. Maybe it's a time where you're hurting from the loss of family members, or maybe it's just that your family is not very close. Maybe there's divisions and there's, there's been some damage that's happened in these relationships. And, and you, you look at this time of year and you think there's really not a lot to be thankful for. I want to talk to you this morning. I want to start out by telling you about this church that we see the Apostle Paul write to in, in uh, Thessalonica. We see the letters Paul wrote as 1st and 2nd Thessalonians in our New Testament. What you need to know about this church in Thessalonica is that it was a brand new church. It was a baby church the first time Paul wrote his letter, 1st Thessalonians. Paul had gone to Thessalonica. He had witnessed. He had converted people. He had established the church, and then he had left, and they were like baby Christians there in Thessalonica. And after Paul leaves, he receives word. Thank you so much. Can we give it up for Jose? Man, this, this guy is just awesome. Thank you, bro. I love you, man. 
we see after Paul leaves, he gets word that this church in Thessalonica, these young Christians, these new converts, are already facing persecution because of their faith. They're already facing persecution because of their belief in Jesus Christ. When I say they were facing persecution, this is what I mean. Their property was being seized from them. Their homes were being seized and they were being kicked out of their homes. They were being fired from their jobs. Not only were they being fired from their jobs, but they were prohibited from from now working and practicing their trade. If they were a blacksmith, they were prohibited from from being a blacksmith. They were being blackballed, really. They were no longer able to even work. They were being shunned by their families. Those that had converted to Christianity, they had families that, that were not Christian, they were being shunned from their families. They were being insulted, they were being beaten physically, and many of them were even put to death in Thessalonica at this young, brand new church. Paul becomes so worried about this, he sends Timothy to check on them and to to help them any way that he can. And to Paul's surprise, Timothy returns, and Timothy has this message to give to Paul about the Thessalonians. He says, they're not faltering. They're not wavering. And, And in fact, they're not just enduring this persecution, they are thriving. They are growing. They are remaining strong in their faith despite all of these hardships that I just told you about. Timothy has this glowing report that he gives to Paul. And so Paul, in his response to this news, he writes 1 Thessalonians. I want to read a portion of what Paul wrote to that church. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18. Now remember, he's writing to the church that has proved they can face and endure hardship, that they can, their strength can be, uh, their, their faith can be strengthened in times of difficulty. And he says this, always be joyful, never stop praying, be thankful in all circumstances. I'm going to say those again. Always be joyful, never stop praying, be thankful in all circumstances. This is God's will for you who belong to Jesus Christ. Anybody in the house belong to Jesus Christ? Do you belong to Jesus Christ? If if you don't or you're not sure, don't worry, we'll take care of you at the end of service. This is God's will for those who belong to Jesus. Be joyful, never stop praying, and be thankful in all circumstances. Everybody say all circumstances. I want to tell you a story about a man named Horatio Spafford. Anybody know the story of Horatio Spafford? He was a very successful and wealthy attorney in Chicago in the 1800s. Not only was he a very successful attorney, he also owned a lot of real estate property. Very successful businessman, very wealthy. In 1870, his four-year-old son died of scarlet fever. Four years old, had his son pass away. Now, this is what you need to know about Horatio Spafford before we get into his story, is that he was a very devout Christian. He was a very devout man of God. Uh, He was actually known throughout Chicago for his testimony and the power of his testimony and the the witness that he was. In 1870, his four-year-old son dies of scarlet fever. And then one year later, in 1871, 
when Chicago had that massive fire, the massive Chicago fire of 1871, many of, that, of those real estate properties that Horatio owned, they were destroyed. And as a result, he endured very significant financial loss as a result of that fire. So his son has passed away. Now he's dealing with a lot of financial hardship. So two years later, after the fire, he and his family obviously are, are still reeling from the death of his son. He has a wife and he has four daughters as well. He's reeling from these financial hardships he's gone through. Horatio decides, like any good father, you know what, it's time for a vacation. So he, he plans a whole vacation for his family to go from Chicago over to England. He was actually good friends with the evangelist D.L. Moody. And D.L. Moody was preaching over in England. And Horatio just decided, you know what, this is an awesome opportunity for me and my family to have a vacation and to go be with our friend and be in these revival services that he is preaching. So he scheduled this trip for himself, his wife, and their four daughters to sail to England. And getting closer to the time of departure, Horatio himself got delayed because of some business that he had to attend to. So instead of postponing or, or re rescheduling everything, he decided to send his wife, Anna, and their four daughters. They had an 11-year-old that they named Anna. They had a 9-year-old named Margaret, a 5-year-old named Elizabeth, and a 2-year-old named Tanetta. He decided to send his wife and daughters ahead of him while he tended to this business and that he would catch up with them uh, when he was able to. So this mother and their four daughters get on the ship and they're on their voyage across the Atlantic. And on their voyage, their ship collides with an iron sailing ship. 226 people lost their lives in the wreck. And among those that were found dead, or those that were dead, are all four of Horatio's daughters. His wife survived. She made it to England. And when she got to England, she sent Horatio a telegram, and it only said, saved alone. So he makes up his mind he's going to join his wife in England as soon as he can. He books a, 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 a charters a, a boat or whatever they did back in those days, and he sets sail for England. And it said of, of Horatio that on that voyage, he spent countless hours just standing and staring over the hull of the ship, looking into the ocean that had claimed the lives of his four daughters. And one day on this voyage, he's summoned by the captain of the ship, and he joins the captain, and the captain explains to Horatio that they were passing over at this moment the very spot where his daughter's ship had sunk and where they had died. I want you to just have some empathy in this moment and try to put yourself in this mindset of this man whose son has passed away, who is facing financial ruin because of a fire that was out of his control, who has lost his four young daughters to a terrible tragedy that happened at sea, and now as he's on his own voyage, he's passing over that spot where the collision occurred, where his daughters lost their lives, and it is in this moment where no doubt, undoubtedly, he is full of grief. He is full of sorrow. Maybe he's even full of anger. It's in this moment that he pins the words to one of the most beautiful and well-known Christian hymns of all time. It's in this moment, facing all of that grief, facing all of that 
sorrow that he pins these beautiful lyrics of how even despite this circumstance that he's in, he trusts God. And I've actually asked the band, if they could go ahead and join me. I've asked the band to, to prepare this song and to sing it briefly, and then I'm going to come back and finish my message. But I, as you listen to them sing this song, I want you to keep in mind the man that wrote it and the circumstances that he faced as he wrote these lyrics. Peace out. 
one more time. Let's give Jesus some praise. seated. It is well with my soul. If I'm being honest, if I was faced in in this situation, if I was faced with these circumstances, it would be extremely difficult for me to say something like, it is well with my soul. And I, I think it's practical to say it wasn't an easy thing for Horatio Spafford to say, it is well with my soul in the midst of all of this tragedy that he was facing. So how is it possible, how was it possible for Horatio, and how is it possible today for you and I to have this kind of attitude, to have this kind of response that says, no matter the circumstances that I encounter in life that maybe are out of my control, and no matter the tragedy that I might have to walk through, and no matter matter the disappointments that I face, It's well with my soul. How can we have that kind of response? I want to quickly give you three things that I see from what Paul wrote in 1 Thessalonians that we read just a moment ago. I want to pull out these three things from the text and offer them to you as the formula, for lack of a better word, of how you can have this attitude, how you can have this reaction of it is well with my soul. No matter what dark days you walk through, no matter what pain you encounter, you can have this attitude of it is well with my soul. The first one is this. Choose joy. Choose joy. It's a choice. It's a decision that you have to make. Paul wrote in 1 Thessalonians 5, he said, always be joyful. It almost sounds like a commandment that Paul is giving as an apostle to his church that he started. Always be joyful. Make the choice that no matter what you encounter, you have joy. And actually, the apostle Paul himself is an incredible example of somebody choosing joy. Most of our New Testament actually is written by the apostle Paul He wrote a book, or he wrote a letter to a church in Philippi in the New Testament. It's called Philippians. And what you need to know about this whole book of Philippians, this letter that Paul wrote, he wrote it while he was in prison. And he wasn't in a prison that had a a mattress and a pillow and his own private toilet. He was in a hole in the ground that when it rained, he was up to his waist in sewage. And he, wrote, he writes in Philippians chapter 1, verse 3, to this church in Philippi. He says, every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make requests for all of you with joy. He goes on in, in verse 12 of that same chapter. He says, I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here as I'm in prison, everything that's happened to me here as I have been persecuted... As I have been stoned, did you know the Apostle Paul one time was stoned so severely that everyone that was throwing rocks at him thought that he was dead, so they just left his body for the animals to eat it, and they went back on their way. And later he picked himself up, dusted himself off, and he continued to spread the gospel. So he's saying, everything that's happened to me here has helped me spread the good news, the gospel. 
For everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of Christ, because of his faith. Because of my imprisonment, most of the believers have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. Now, at this time, there were other people going around preaching that were very divisive and even very critical of Paul. This is what he says about him. He says, it's true that some are preaching out of jealousy and rivalry. He says, yes, I know that there's people going around preaching like this. He says, but others preach about Christ with pure motives. They preach because they love me, for they know I have been appointed to defend the good news. Those others that are preaching because of jealousy or because of rivalry, those others do not have pure motives as they preach about Christ. They preach with selfish ambition, not sincerely, intending to make my chains more painful to me. Listen to this. But that doesn't matter. Whether their motives are false or genuine, the message about Christ is being preached either way. So I rejoice. And I will continue to rejoice, he says. I've already made up my mind. I'm going to continue to rejoice. For I know that as you pray for me and the Spirit of Jesus Christ helps me, this will lead to my deliverance. Choose joy. Choosing joy. It's something that is intentional. It's something that has to become a discipline in our lives, just like we have spiritual disciplines of fasting, spiritual disciplines of prayer, of worship. This could be, and I don't want to say anything, I don't want to overstep anything, but I would say choosing joy should become a spiritual discipline in your life because it has to be a discipline. It's something that, that takes work. It's something that takes practice. Any discipline you have in your life, any routine that you have in your life, it takes work. It takes practice. Same with choosing joy. It starts up here. Paul says again, and it's not, in my, it's not on the screen, but Romans 12, chapter 12, verse 2. He says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What Paul is saying there in Romans, he says, is if you want your life to be transformed, you have to transform your mind. You will be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And, you know, the brain is an amazing thing, and I'm not going to stand up here and pretend that I know all Every, all the science about our, our brains. I'm not a neurologist or anything like that, but the brain is an amazing thing. I've talked about it before in our Mind Monsters series. I think it's worth talking about again, but did you know that your brain will physically change depending on the habits you have in your life? Your brain will physically change even by the habitual thoughts that you think. Every time you, you do an action or every time you think a thought, there are these neurons that are getting fired in your brain running across what's called neural pathways. Every time you brush your teeth, does any, have you noticed you, you brush your teeth the same way every time? I do. Brush my teeth the same. It's because the more repetitive you are with an action, the, the deeper that neural pathway in your brain gets. Your, your brain, you could scan the brain and see the physical changes that are being made because of your habits and because of the thoughts that you think. Is it any wonder Paul said that you are transformed by the renewing of your mind? Because there are some neural pathways that need to be uprooted in your mind. There, there are some things and thoughts and habits that, that have rooted themselves into your mind that you need renewing of your mind from. If you're constantly 
being negative, if you're constantly thinking the worst, if you're constantly fearing the worst, you are literally transforming your brain in a very negative way. And I'm not up here preaching to you about the power of positive thinking. Please do not misunderstand me at all. That's not who I am, but you guys know that. But choosing joy has to become something that is a habit in our lives. Choosing joy has to become an instinct. It has to become an, a, a reaction in our lives. And it's not going to happen by the power of positive thinking. It will happen, and your mind will be renewed when you have the power of the Holy Spirit working in your life. Because the difference between the power of positive thinking and the difference of the power of the Holy Spirit is that when your mind is renewed by the power of the Holy Spirit, it keeps you on purpose for what God created you to do. You see, each and every one of us has a purpose. You were created on purpose with a purpose. God has a plan for you in this life. And in order to do that, you need to be equipped with the power of His Holy Spirit. And a lot of the battles that we face and a lot of the temptations that we face as human beings, guess where the battle is fought and won or fought and lost? Guess where it happens? Right here. Right here. Before you actually sin, you make up in your mind whether or not you are going to sin. Before you give in to temptation, you make up in your mind whether or not you're going to do it. And the more often you give yourselves to unhealthy thoughts and the more often you give yourselves to sinful habits, guess what? Your brain changes to make it easier and easier and easier. But this is what I believe, that the power of the Holy Spirit in a moment can transform your mind and uproot those unhealthy thoughts, and uproot those unhealthy habits, and you can be transformed. But if you want things to be well with your soul, if you want to be able to say, it is well with my soul when things feel out of control, like the world feels out of control right now, if you want to be able to say, it is well with my soul when you're full of fear or anxiety, or when you, God forbid, lose a loved one, or lose a child, or get a bad report from the doctor, if you want to be able to say it is well with my soul, the first thing that you need to do is choose joy. Choose joy. Choose, choose what you say about certain things. Choose what you think about certain things. It's not easy. I, I, listen, I know it's not easy. That's why in the Bible, Paul tells us we must take captive every thought. Everybody say every thought. He doesn't stop there. He says, take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. I know a lot of times, just reaction when we're faced with hardship, when we're faced with problems, our thoughts come in like a whirlwind. Am I right? We have to take some thoughts captive. We have to identify what's from God and what's from the world. What's from God and what's from the enemy? What is the Holy Spirit trying to tell me in this moment and what's the devil trying to tell me in this moment? Take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Choosing joy is not easy. It's not easy. A lot of people think of Christianity as this, this thing that you can jump in and say, yes, I believe in Jesus, and I love coming to church, so my life is supposed to be great now. Things are supposed to be easy. Choosing joy is something you have to do intentionally. But thank God we have the Comforter. Amen? Amen. We have the power of the Holy Spirit to help us in those times.
Another instruction that we see in Scripture over and over, you can look in the Old Testament, the teachings of Jesus, and the teachings of the apostles, they always instruct us to pray. Pray. So if you want things to be well with your soul, pray first. Pray first. This is what Paul says in Philippians chapter 4. He says, don't worry about anything. Don't worry about, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. What an instruction there. Don't worry about anything. Oh, thank you. That just takes all my anxieties away. Right? <laughs> don't worry about anything. Man, can I tell you, me and my... So I'm going to throw my mom under the bus here. My mom is a worrier, and I think I inherited that from her. We worry, we worry, we worry. I'm like a helicopter dad, okay? My gosh, my kids are out of my sight for like two minutes. I'm like, oh God, where are the kids at? In our own house. I'm like, where are they at? Where are they at? I'm a worrier. So this is something that I, I'm preaching to myself as well. If you've already tuned me out, that's fine. I'm preaching to myself anyway. So don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. He goes on, tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace. Man, does anybody want to experience God's peace? My God, I need it. So Paul says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Everybody say everything. Friends would. Say everything, friends would. Pray about everything. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. What does that mean? Well, it wouldn't make sense for you to have peace if your children just died. That doesn't make sense. That's illogical. But the peace of God transcends anything that you and I can comprehend. So in a moment where it seems like we should not have peace about the circumstances we are encountering, guess what? Because of the power of God, we can experience peace. And it doesn't make sense. How do we unlock this or how does this happen in our life? Pray about everything. Pray about everything. I love actually Jesus when he talks about prayer, the Sermon on the Mount. He says, when you pray, don't worry about putting on a show. He even says, when you pray, don't even worry about using big, fancy words. He even said, it's better to pray in your closet alone at home than it is to pray in front of a bunch of people at church. What do, I, what do I take from this, what Jesus is saying? Is God wants to talk to us and He wants us to talk to Him. Pray first. Talk to God. Even if that means your complaints. Even if that means your gripes. Even if that means you're angry. Tell God about it. You know what the amazing thing is? Is that God wants to hear it. God wants to hear these things. God wants you to tell him how sad you are. God wants you to tell him how disappointed you are. God wants you to tell him how much pain you're in. He wants all of those prayers. When you're faced with uncertainty, when you're faced with anxiety, take it to God in prayer. Why? Why is this so important? 
Well, it's very similar to this, this discipline of choosing joy. It's because prayer redirects your thoughts. Now, when you're going through hard times, when you're going through difficulties, you're right in the thick of it. A lot of times you can't see past this, right? But as soon as you start praying, it's like God allows you to kind of zoom out. And now instead of viewing the situation through your own lens, you're able to see God's kingdom. You're able to see the bigger picture. That's why Horatio Spafford, in the midst of all his pain, was able to pin words about salvation that he has in Jesus Christ. Even though his son had died, even though he had lost a lot of money, even though his young daughters had died, he's able to take joy in the fact that he is saved because of Jesus Christ. Pray first. I think this is obvious, but maybe we just need to be reminded of this as Christians. And I'll just speak frankly because I feel like right now it's becoming very normal in Christian culture, especially in, in my generation and younger, to, uh, to maybe put prayer on the, in the back seat. Because we have amazing worship, we have amazing production, we have access to ministry clips and ministry moments and our favorite preaching. We have access, listen, we have more access to Christian content than any generation that has ever lived. Right now, you can go on YouTube or Facebook or Instagram and find your five favorite preachers and hear what they said today. We are saturated in worship music and in clips and in Bible apps. But prayer is what keeps you close to God. And I'm convicted saying it because I'm guilty of sometimes putting it in the back seat. And I'm sorry if that disappoints you. But prayer is what keeps you close to God. Consistent. Daily communication with God is what keeps you close. And that's why it's so important to pray first. When you're faced with uncertainty and you don't, you don't know what to do, guess what? Pray first. Take it to God. And this is the last point I'm going to make. And I think it fits really well with this, obviously, this holiday that we're about to walk into. It's this, give thanks. That's what Paul said in 1 Thessalonians. Always be joyful, pray, and give thanks. This is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Always be joyful, pray, and give thanks. I want to close by telling you about a story in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. It's in the Old Testament. It's about a king named Jehoshaphat. And if you know anything about, well, I should say, if you don't know anything about this story, I'll tell you this. We know that in the Old Testament, God's people is the nation of Israel. Where there came a time in Israel's history where they actually, it divided into two nations. One nation remained Israel, and the other nation was called Judah. The nation of Israel actually turned away from God during this, this history, during this point in history. But Judah remained strong. Judah remained faithful to God. Jehoshaphat was an incredible godly king of Judah, and there came a time when the kingdom of Judah was facing an invasion from three 
different armies that had joined forces to destroy them. Of course, they were terrified in this moment. You know what Jehoshaphat's first response was when he heard the the report from his recon guys that are out there looking at the enemy and they come back and tell him? His first response is to gather everybody together and pray. For a king that's facing an attack from the enemy, doesn't it make more sense if he would gather all his generals together, get the guard on alert, lock down the cities, prepare the militaries, come up with a strategy? No. The first thing he did was gathered everyone together and they prayed together. And in the middle of their prayer, somebody prophesied and the Lord spoke to them that they would have victory against this enemy. And I want to read 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Side note real quick before they put it up. This is one of my favorite stories in the whole Bible. This is, I, I love this story so much because of this part right here. Because I, actually Justin and some of my buddies were making fun of me the other night because they said, I, I tell so many stories that, that start with, well, when I was in the Marine Corps, well, here's another one, okay? My goodness. <laughs> I did spend time in the Marine Corps and, you know, I, I went to Afghanistan, so I, I know something about being in a certain mindset when you're facing an enemy and when you're, when you're going out on patrol or when you're marching towards somewhere that you know your enemy is located. I know something about the mindset that a soldier will have. I know something about all the planning and all of the logistics and everything that goes into fighting the enemy. And I love so much about what Jehoshaphat does in this moment when he's facing three armies. This is what 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 20 and 21 says. Early the next morning, after they had their prayer, after they heard the prophecy, after God spoke to them and told them that they would have victory... Early the next morning, don't you know he was choosing joy in this moment? Choosing joy. Hey, it's going to be okay. God told me we win. God told, I know I'm not going to let fear and anxiety talk to me in this moment. I'm going to choose joy because God told me we win. Hey, guess what, church? We win. Did you know that? We win. We win. Doesn't matter what you face in this life. It doesn't matter what you go through in this life. At the end of the day and at the end of time, we win. Jesus reigns. So this is what Jehoshaphat does. Early the next morning, the army of Judah went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. So the military, they're going. Judah, the armies are going. They're going to confront their enemies. On the way, King Jehoshaphat stopped and he said, Listen to me, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God and you will be able to stand firm. Believe in his prophets and you will succeed. After consulting the people, the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army. This does not make sense from a strategic standpoint. This is silly. Yes, we have, we have cavalry, we have infantry, we have our archers. Who knows what other kind of equipment they have. Hey, out in front of that, just put some band members and some singers. That was the king's order. He assembled a choir to walk ahead of the army, singing to the Lord and praising him for his holy splendor. This is what they were singing. Give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. 
Give thanks to the Lord. This is what I know about life, is you are going to encounter some battles. All of us. We're going to encounter battles. Just this week, and I hope, I really hope this is appropriate, and I, I want the family to know I love them so much, and I hope it's okay for me to say this, but just this week, last week, last Wednesday, a man named Josh O'Brien, who served on the team at Friendswood, helped us launch the campus, was with us from the very beginning, very unexpectedly lost his life in his home. His wife, they had two young boys, five years old, three years old. They're expecting their third boy to be born in February. This is what I know, is that tragedy can touch all of us. And I would ask for you to keep the family in your prayers, because guess what? If you're part of the church, the Life Church family, that's our brother. And it's, it's devastating what happened. And I know the Friendswood campus is feeling it too, because Josh was amazing. He was there always with a smile on his face and a servant's heart. Served any way that he could. So what do we do when we encounter things like that, that don't make sense, that are not fair? that are deeply painful. We choose joy. It's hard to in moments like that. But I'm joyful because I know Josh is with Jesus. Amen. Could you imagine if you just made up your mind that ahead of all of your planning, ahead of all the strategies you come up with on your own, ahead of all of the, of the uh, learning that you're going to do and all the networking you're going to do, that ahead of all your, your battle plans, that at the very front, you on the inside is leading the way, saying, I give thanks to God because His love endures forever. I give thanks to God because even if this doesn't work out, this temporary situation doesn't go the way that I want, ultimately, we win. Ultimately, I have salvation with Jesus Christ. Ultimately, even though life is not going the way I want it to go, I can have peace. It is well with my soul. Choose joy. Everybody say, choose joy. Pray first. Give thanks. Let's say it again. Choose joy. Pray first. Give thanks. Will you stand with me this morning? I'd like to ask the prayer team to please, if you could join me in the altar here. Life is hard. Life will knock you around. Life will knock you down. Things are going to happen that are out of your control. But guess what? You and I are offered access to the one who overcame all of this. You and I are offered access. We are offered the chance to be in a relationship with the one that can make all things well with our soul. This is what Jesus said. In this life, you will have trouble. As long as you're breathing, you will have trouble. Then he said, take heart, 
I have overcome the world. I've walked through tragedy myself. I've walked through pain. I've walked through regret. I've walked through shame. And a lot of time I know the tendency is to even blame God or get angry with God. Can I tell you that's not the answer? Because God is the one that has given you a way out. God is the one that has given you the opportunity for peace, the opportunity for healing. And thank God that we have the opportunity to be in relationship with him because of Jesus Christ. So I'd like to pray for everyone this morning. First, I would like if everyone could just please bow your heads, close your eyes. I know Pastor Tito's getting ready to, to take it back over at Friendswood. I'll turn it back over after this prayer, Pastor Tito. But first, I'd like to ask a question for everybody in the Houston campus, everybody at the Friendswood campus, nobody's looking around. I'm going to ask, maybe you are right now walking through a season of life where you look around and say, I don't have much to be thankful for. I don't have anything to be thankful for. Maybe you had a, a bad report from the doctor. Maybe there's problems going on with your finances. Maybe there's problems going on with your family. This is what I would ask. If that is you this morning and you need prayer, will you just raise your hand, please? That friends would, will you raise your hand? Thank you. I'm thankful to be able to tell you in full confidence that the answer to all of that is right before you this morning, and that's by surrendering to Jesus Christ. And here's what you need to know. It doesn't mean all these exterior circumstances are going to change in a moment, but what it means is that on the inside, you will be transformed into a person that can say in every season and in every situation and in every trial and in every hardship, it is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. I know Jesus Christ. So I'm going to pray for everyone. I'm going to pray for everyone here and at Friendswood. And as soon as I end the prayer, I'm going to invite you to the front for a time of prayer with our prayer team. If you need specific prayer, the Bible tells us to partner together in prayer. The Bible says to tell what we need prayer about and for the elders of the church to lay hands on and anoint with oil. And guess what? Every member of our prayer team here at Houston and every member of our prayer team at Friendswood has been trained and prepared and they are spiritually gifted to partner with you in prayer. You need to take advantage of this moment. So let's pray together. Lord, we thank you so much for your mercy and grace. God, we thank you that you looked down into a world that was full of sin, that was full of death, that was full of pain, that's full of injustice. And you decided in your holiness, and you decided in your, your marvelous power to be the one that provides a way for salvation. You sent your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for all of our sins, for all of that pain, for all of that injustice, to stand in our place so that we could have a relationship with you. Not just that, so that we could have eternal life with you. We know that there's a day coming when there's not going to be death and there's not going to be pain. There's not going to be sickness. There's not going to be shame. There's not going to be regret when we're with you, King Jesus. We know all of these things will fade away. So we pray, we, we pray and ask that you would help us 
as we navigate this life. Help us to choose joy. Help us to keep that line of communication with you through prayer open all the time in every situation. We give you thanks for all that you have done. The truth is, God, you could not do another thing for us and you've already done enough. You've done everything we could have asked for when Jesus died on the cross for our sin. So I pray that you would help us today. Empower us through the Holy Spirit to have it in our minds, in our hearts, and in our souls that no matter what happens, it is well with our soul. In Jesus' name, would you say amen and would you give Jesus another hand clap? Pastor Tito, you can take it over at Friendswood. I love you guys. We're going to dismiss in just a moment, but our band is going to lead us in another time of worship, and this is your opportunity. If you have a situation that you need prayer about, our prayer team is here, and they're ready. Let's not be in a rush. Let's take our time, and let's let God do what He wants to do in this place. Amen.